At some point in our lives, we all experience a feeling of loneliness. It's a natural human experience, and for some, the struggle is worse than others, but it can be a struggle nonetheless. And loneliness doesn't discriminate based upon age. But I'd venture to say that for kids and teens today, the feeling of loneliness can be crippling. I know for me, I struggled with feeling lonely a lot growing up. I was bullied in elementary and middle school, and I never felt like I fit in. There were days where I'd wake up and I wouldn't want to go to school. I'd fake sick, hoping I could avoid the lunch cafeteria for another day. I just felt lost and I didn't know what to do. I eventually learned ways to cope with that feeling and make a solid group of friends, but those years were so hard. Have you ever felt that way? Was this something you ever struggled with? How did you handle it? Did you go through the motions or do you decide to take matters into your own hands? Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an amazing person who's trying to make an impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Shane Feldman, the founder and CEO of Count Me In, the largest youth-run organization in the world that has impacted over 10 million youth in over 100 countries. This organization inspires youth to be positive change agents in their community and aims to transform the way teens see themselves in connection to the world through volunteerism, community, and mentorship. With Shane at the helm, Count Me In is a global leader in immersive and practical student leadership training and community building. And Shane now travels the globe sharing his story and inspiring corporate and educational audiences to create an inclusive culture of connection. Shane is actually currently on the A&E docuseries Undercover High and has been featured on the Hallmark Channel, CBS, Fox, Yahoo, and the Huffington Post. I loved my time with him and I know you will love this episode. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Shane. Hey Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Molly. I have been really, really, really looking forward to talking with you because what I think you are doing is absolutely incredible. And frankly, I feel like, I mean, and no no offense to the old people like me, although I'm actually, I, I like to think I'm not actually that old. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm <laughs> even though my dad, my dad who's in his 70s always is like, well, Molly, you're well into your 30s. I'm like, dad, I'm 32. Like, I'm not, that, <laughs> I'm not well into my 30s. Anyway, I like hearing from some younger voices on the show because, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we get into this, uh, you know, the the media and all of that likes to talk about young people and how young people are a bunch of whippersnappers who are, you know, are just, you know, leeches of society when I don't believe that to be true. And you are such a great example of that. And so I'm so excited to introduce you to um, my listeners and for them to just absolutely fall in love with you and what you are doing. So thank you so much for spending the time with us. Uh, like I said, it's the pleasure is all mine. I'm really glad to be here with you. So to kick it off, I'm going to have you do what I have all my guests do, and that is give us the Shane 101. So tell us your story um, and how you got to where you are today and how you started Count Me In. Sounds great. Well, today I, I'm the founder and CEO of Count Me In, which is a global, we've been pegged as a youth empowerment incubator. So what that really means is that we specialize in inspiring the next generation and you know, really empowering young people to live their legacy. And then we provide resources, coaching, and, and tools 
um, and, and a whole digital platform of mentorship to help them actually bring their ideas to life. Any kinds of positive volunteer projects, socially conscious business ideas. Uh, there's a huge spectrum in terms of the kinds of positive projects that have been born out of Count Me In. And over the last decade, uh, we have tracked more than a hundred million service hours, equating to over $2.4 billion of youth-led wow. community service hours, um, which equals out to tens of thousands of volunteer projects in countries around the world. And wow. this all started as, as a small idea, a small school project that I had back in high school. So a decade ago, starting high school in a new community, new place, not having any friends, I had no sense of belonging. I felt lost, confused, isolated, and and deep, deep loneliness. And the way I inevitably finally found my way out of that really challenging transition into high school was when I went to my guidance counselor, my, my school counselor, to try and get a transfer to another school, a better one where I'd fit in and have friends and be happy because, of course, I assumed it was the school's fault. Um, <laughs> he basically forced me to sign up for a handful of clubs and councils and volunteer projects that he said matched my interests. And I figured this was some formality I just had to kick out of the way in order to get this fancy yellow slip of paper to let me transfer to another school. So yeah. I went and begrudgingly signed up for these clubs and councils. And lo and behold, I started meeting people and making friends. And looking back, it was the most simple thing in the world, yet it led the most drastic change in the trajectory of my entire life. Yeah. And yeah. looking back, just it, it really makes sense that Count Me In was born out of something so simple because it hit something. You know, even though the idea was simple, even though what we do at Count Me and I consider to be very simple, it's powerful. You know, these tools are important. So I had this idea to really inspire other students in my school to get involved. The more I got involved, the more I realized how many students were not involved in anything at all. And Count Me In was born as this idea to motivate them to plug into the community the way that I had and show them how much fun high school can really be. And clearly we tapped into something because other students were interested in other schools and the the growth started to go on this natural upward curve. And that first event that I thought was going to be for 50 kids from my school turned into 400 kids from seven schools. And it just kept growing like crazy every year since. That's incredible. I want to kind of go back a little bit before we really get to how you grew Count Me In to what it is today and just really kind of start at the beginning. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think what you touched on just so ever so briefly of the notion of going starting high school in a new community with not knowing anybody and feeling that sense of loneliness, that is something that so many kids today struggle with. And it's something I struggled with. I mean, I never moved. I was in the same school system growing up, but I was bullied in elementary school. I was bullied in middle school. And it really wasn't until later on in high school when I really started to kind of find my groove and then definitely in college. But, you know, I think there are, I would venture to say that even the most popular kid in school and, and you know, even as an adult can think back to a time in their childhood when they felt alone. And that's something that we, I, I think there's not enough people really, really talking about it. And I think it's something that kind of just gets glossed over. Um, like, oh, it's just a part of life. It's a part of puberty. Right. It's a part of school, like bullying. It is, you know, no, it shouldn't, this shouldn't just be like a part of, 
of life. Of no, and it, and it is, and it's much more than high school, right? I mean, of course, yes. teens are really susceptible to going through, you know, with with the increase in hormones and puberty. You know, things are a lot more severe sometimes in terms of you know your your emotional realm. But adults, you know, we're we're dealing with a real crisis of loneliness across mm. the board. If you look at you know, I'm not sure if you follow UK news at all, mm. but in, in London, England, they have just appointed for the first time ever a minister of loneliness. Yes. And they started um, doing that or, thing with where they like room like younger people with senior citizens who live alone. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it, there are things that are starting to be put in, into play. And I really think this is this is an opportunity for us to pause and really start reflecting on our lives, whether you feel lonely and isolated or not whether you feel like you have a bustling community or not, and really just look at others and and how we are growing up in this digital age, kids especially today, where we're all in these silos. Mm. I think it's so important. You know, I'm, I'm all for technology. I think social media certainly has its place, and, and so do smartphones. But I really feel like there's a strong dependency yeah. that especially kids today are growing up with, and the casualty is community. Mm. Even though you can have, you know, 952 friends on Facebook or 6,000 followers on Twitter, do you have someone to call up to have lunch with? Right. A lot of people don't. Again, kids especially, but we're talking about this this is all ages, an all ages issue. We need to kind of look out for one another and, and acknowledge that we are spending far too much time plugged in online and unplugged from society, you know, connected online, but disconnected from one another in a human sense. And I feel like even though that Count Me In is, is an organization focused on young people, I'm so grateful that so much of my work today is focused more on corporate and workplace and the fact that I get to go in and speak at companies and, you know, national leadership conferences and help employers understand how to better cultivate connection within their company. Mm. My ultimate goal is to create a new generation of workforces that really feel a sense of belonging and a feel that their values relate to the work that they're doing. Because if we have more inspired people in the workplace, especially the frontline service workers that people deal with on a day-to-day basis, I just feel like we're going to have a much more connected society, people that are more excited to get up and go to work in the morning instead of the increase in depression and anxiety and loneliness that we seem to have right now. Absolutely. Oh, man. Preach. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, too, where you see this. This is and like you you pointed out what's going on in the UK, but there this is a a cross cultural thing. And sometimes I feel like in the in the first world, um, if that's really what we want to call it, I feel like we do this the worst. Um, You go to. Uh, you know, developing countries, developing nations, and they know community. Not that, not to say that they don't experience loneliness, because I'm sure they do, and I know that they do. But you go into these communities where they don't have access to technology and and the and the those types of resources that we have access to, and yet they are the most community focused. They really surround each other during tough times. They you know cook you know they take care of each other's kids. They cook each other's you know each other's family's meals. I mean they mm-hmm. they really um, they really focus on community. I love this story that a friend told me um, the first time she went to Rwanda. She was speaking with a mom in a in a very rural village there, and she talked about how when this mom finally got sustainable employment, after she had um, paid, you know, t- taking made sure that food was on the table for her family, after she paid her kids' school fees, the first purchase she made was a chair, and that was for a 
for guests in her home because she wanted to surround herself with community. And I love that 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 image of of they oh. place such a priority on community that they she bought a chair. How amazing oh, my is that? My hand is on my heart right now. I'm just like I'm glowing listening to that. And I, I feel that it resonates with me. I mean, for my I've spent a lot of time. My work, I'm so grateful, has allowed me to travel so much. Mm. And I, I'm thinking to times that I've spent in you know, a remote village in Ghana in West Africa mm-hmm. to most recently spending times in an indigenous village in Vietnam and a slum in Manila in the yes. Philippines. And, it, you know, these are places that lack technology, are not plugged in the way that we are. Uh, you know, they lack things like running water. Yeah. Uh, and yet there is this sense of community, this yes. sense of, you know, I, I, when I was in Ghana, there was a, a baby born in the village while I was there. And it was just remarkable in, in the few weeks that I spent there watching this village literally raise this infant. Mm. And every day, this this infant who was literally just born was strapped to a different person's yep. belly yep. or back. And everyone's just working together. There's this sense of camaraderie smiles larger than I've ever seen in my life. It's just, I think a part of me honestly wishes that we get to a place where we strike more of a balance with technology. Again, it has its place. It has its benefits. There's no denying that. But I just think there's so much value in, in, you know, something as simple as turning phone off when you get home at the end of the day, right? Whether you have a family or not, it's time to connect, right? But especially if you have kids at home, you know, little kids or teenagers to come home at the end of the day and say, I'm home and my phone is off yep. and it's time to connect as a family. That's powerful. It and really that's is. something that, you know, people are probably listening right now laughing, right? Scoffing and like just the idea of that because it's so foreign. And I really hope that in time that is less foreign and more the norm. I think it, I think it should be a non-negotiable that when it's time to connect, it means the phone is off. No, it's okay to go for a walk without your phone in your pocket. Yep. We did it for hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> we can do it again, right? Yes, yes, exactly. And this is something, you know, my husband and I, we have two young kids, and and this is something that we struggle with. We go through seasons where we're really on point with it, and we turn the phone off, at, you know, when my husband gets home from work until the kids are in bed. And, um, you know, we're both self-employed, so sometimes, like, at night after the kids are in bed, we have to work. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the reality when you are when you work for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we really do try to keep those couple of hours after my husband gets home and, you know, until the kids are in bed that we can – you know, really spend that time unplugged. But then we go through seasons where we're not as great at it. And, and I always go back, I'm like, Oh, man, I really wish we, we would be better at this. And it's, it's hard. It's something that I think a lot of people need to work on. And it's convicting for me, because I know I need to get better at it as well. You know, we all do, right. And I, I think the sooner we admit that to ourselves and build that awareness, the better. My, my mom said this more brilliant than I've ever heard it said to anyone. We were talking about unplugging and how important it is specifically for teens mm. and how challenging it is. And and she turns to me and says, how can we expect young people to not constantly be on their devices when we aren't showing up and offering them anything better in person? Yep. I think Ooh. that kind of Oof. nailed it right on the head, right? It's it's our responsibility as adults, educators, mentors, parents to show up, to really be there, to offer the empathy and compassion and emotional connection that kids cannot get online. Yes. Oof, man, your mom is a wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> that she is. 
So, so you you got to high school. You felt this, you know, very like like you said, very deep sense of loneliness. Which, like I said, we've we all struggle with, no matter our age group. Um, and and you, but the thing is that I think is really remarkable is that you didn't sit there and wait for something else to happen. You you made a decision that you weren't going to just let it be this way. Um, and, and, you know, going and seeing your high school guidance counselor because you wanted to transfer schools, like maybe in your mind you're just like, well, that was my last resort. But, but in a lot of ways, a lot of kids probably wouldn't even think to do that. They would just sit in that space of, well, I'm lonely. This is the cards I've been dealt. And that can spiral to a very dangerous place. Um, and you you didn't do that. So talk, walk us through kind of what happened when you made that decision of, I, I don't want to be like this. I want to change my circumstances. And even though you didn't know what was ahead of you by just getting involved, what what did that look like? And, and what, what did that season kind of, um, how did that really just change the trajectory of where you were going? I feel that I have this unique advantage in terms of when I was born. Because if you think, you know, do you know what happened in 2007? 2007. The recession? Would that be nope. it? Nope. That was 08. 2007, first iPhone. First, oh, yeah. See, I graduated college then. So I'm like, I'm like, what? There you go. Oh, yeah. So I, I was just getting ready to graduate middle school and start high school in 2007. Mm. And there was no such thing as a smartphone yet. Yeah. So I grew up with genuine emotional connection. You know, my parents divorced when I was young. I moved around a lot, had very little consistency, lacked consistent male role models in my life. But at the same time, I felt emotional connection. I knew what a sense of belonging was like. I knew what community felt like. And I was consistently feeling love and support from my mom. I had two younger sisters. You know, I knew what connection was like. Yeah. And starting high school, that disconnect, I could recognize that I was missing something because I knew that I had felt something before that I was missing then. I think the difference now and why it might be so much harder for kids today to kind of recognize that change is because they're growing up on screens. And it's, it's, it's almost become a norm for kids to grow up with some element of childhood neglect. Hmm. Because it's just a normal part of our society now. So now you might start high school and feel a sense of lack, but it's not a foreign feeling anymore. It's something you felt in some capacity for the majority of your young life. Um, you know, look at the number of kids being diagnosed with things like depression, right? Um, I, 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 I understand that that's, you know, there's real mental health issues, but I do feel that a significant portion of what we consider depression is just severe disconnect, right? A, a severely cut off mm-hmm. from, humanity from each other, from family, from friends, whatever it is. And we need to get back to that. So I think that was the advantage that I had is that I could recognize I missed something. And I was searching desperately because all I knew is that I was waking up in the morning and it felt like I had swallowed this 1000 pound weight and everything in me was saying, just go back to bed. You know, life Mm. isn't worth getting out of bed for today. But the reason I was able to pull myself out of bed and drag my butt to school and sit down in my guidance counselor's office and say, Mr. Conte, help me. Yeah, I need out. I need something better because I know there's better is because I knew somewhere inside of me. I had architected this tiny glimmer of hope that this wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. There's something better out there. I know there must be because I have felt something better before. Mm. Man. And what did your guidance counselor say to you that day? 
<laughs> the first thing he said is, Shane, I know nothing about you. So start by telling me, you know, what you're interested in. What are some things that you like to do? And he, he started with the question. And then he sat back and he just stared at me with these eyes that told me he was really listening. And at first, I, I think that was really foreign to me for yeah. a number of reasons, but but probably probably most significantly, I could not recall the last time any kind of male role model in my life had looked at me in a way that told me they were really there and really listening. Oh, man. So I think that was a really powerful moment for me, even though I may not have recognized the depth to it in that moment. Yeah. I just felt a, an element of comfort and safety. And so I started searching inside myself for answers. What is it that I like to do? And it may have started with, you know, some dumb teenager answers like, you know, playing snake on my phone because that was the only game on my <laughs> yes, phone. Back, I remember way. snake, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, you know, I like I like food. I like to eat. And then finally got to, you know, I think technology is cool. And, you know, I like listening to the radio and, and, you know, theater is cool and just listing all these things. And he was taking all these notes. And when I was done, he handed me this piece of paper he had been scribbling on and started pointing out all the people who were the heads of all these clubs. He felt matched all the hobbies I had been brainstorming. Um, so it was really kind of this natural conversation. He did nothing remarkable, nothing, you know, special, nothing award worthy. But he sat there. He asked a question. He sat back and genuinely listened. Yeah. And I felt seen and I felt heard and I felt an element of safety and, and I felt this urge to, you know, do whatever he's going to say because he's going to help me. I don't know exactly how I think it's going to be, you know, this is like a test to get that transfer. But whatever it is, I just know I have to do what this man tells me to do because he's relatable. He sees me. He hears me. And something tells me he gets it. Yeah. Yes. And now my wish is to kind of be that person for as many teens out there as possible. That was part of the motivation behind Count Me In and, and what it's grown to today. And, you know, most recently I launched a whole digital mentorship series for teens and and middle school students. Um, and the reason I launched it's called mentormyteen.com. The reason I launched it is because I felt like there was this gap where, you know, is a kid really going to consume a self-help book? Probably not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But are they going to consume a YouTuber style video series with secretly embedded life skills and mm -hmm. curriculum? Well, they might. Yeah. So I, you know, kind of took the, the Mr. Conte idea and brought up to the next level and work with a team of psychologists and therapists, educators, parents, and a team of award-winning comedy writers. And we put together this incredible series that now my goal is to give every teen around the world access to this series to give them the skills they need to build community, to communicate better, to create their own confidence from the ground up. Things that I wish I had back in high school that I just recognize not everyone has a me, not everyone has a Mr. Conte. So I'm trying to deliver that in some digital form so no one has to go through that deep loneliness that I know all too well. I know you are loving this conversation with Shane, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who was able to help make this show possible, and that is Causebox. 
As you know, Causebox is one of my favorite ethical subscription boxes, and I've been a subscriber for over two years. How it works is each season, a new box is released filled with everything from accessories, home goods, and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, but they are also doing the most good. The products are not just beautiful, they're also useful. The spring box was just released, and oh my goodness, it is my favorite box yet. The Symbology kimono that was designed exclusively for Causebox is gorgeous. I have been wearing it all the time, and I constantly get compliments on it. Each box also delivers amazing value with a guarantee of over $150 worth of products for only $54.95. Or if you use the coupon code MOLLY, you get $15 off, making it $39.95. And best of all, the impact of each cause box makes the whole membership even more worth it. Their spring box, for example, employed more than 600 artisans under fair trade conditions in India and Kenya and put 100 young girls in India through school. There are a limited number of spring boxes left, so you gotta hop on it ASAP. Go to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use the coupon code MOLLY for $15 off. Now, back to my conversation with Shane. So you join these clubs, you really start to feel this sense of connection. At what point did you really get the idea for Count Me In and what did it look like in that initial phase when you're just like, hmm, I have an idea. I feel like other kids could use this too. What did that like sort of seed of an idea look like? And how did you, you mentioned that you had this event that you thought only maybe 50 kids would come, but only, but 400 from, you know, seven different schools came. What was that event? How did that, what did that look like? And and how did you kind of incubate it, you know, or kind of start it from that little seed of an idea um, in that initial phase? So the initial idea was really just a motivational assembly to motivate a handful of kids in in the school and then actually connect them afterwards through this kind of volunteer fair, uh, like a trade show of opportunities to clubs and councils and volunteer projects that match their interests. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like my school counselor meeting times 50 (laughs) in an assembly format. And I was really excited about it, and I kept wanting to kind of find creative ways to promote it and engage students, but I quickly realized that it was so hard to get anyone interested. Mm. In fact, after weeks of planning and you know putting posters up and, and posting on social media, seven kids signed up, and they were the seven most involved. They were like the, the heads of the clubs and student council. These are not the kids that I wanted to plan this assembly for in the first place. Yeah. So what I ended up realizing is that I'd kind of made this assembly all about me and I hadn't really been asking any questions. I hadn't been asking students what they want. So I kind of took that conversation with Mr. Conte to heart and re-envisioned it, started going up to students saying, Hey, I have an idea. Like what kind of speaker would you want to hear? Or if a student said they didn't want to come, it sounded lame. I'd rather go to math class, which I still don't understand to this day who would want to go to math class instead of an assembly. But (laughs) When they said this, I didn't like argue or make excuses. I asked them why and then genuinely listened to the answer. And I was getting all kinds of amazing feedback and, and input, kinds of speakers they wanted to hear, the kinds of things they were interested in. Yeah. Um, so, for example, one student shared that she was obsessed with the TV show Degrassi, which I had never seen before, but it was a really popular show. Uh, probably still is. I think it's been on for like decades. Um, and so I reached out to the production company, explained I was planning this massive student event all about volunteerism and of course seven people were signed up at the time but I was just giving them the dream pitch (laughs) yes as like a a 13 14 year old dreamer and 
it turns out they had just launched a marketing campaign all about volunteerism and community. So mm-hmm. they said, we'll get the entire cast to support it. So I like my jaw dropped on the floor as I'm like sitting on this phone call. I went the next day back to school to that student, told her, told Sarah that the cast of Degrassi was going to be the event. She started like crying. I think she almost fainted. And then her and 10 of her friends signed up on the spot. So I realized I had hit something and we were talking to the, you know, athletic kids at school and we got an Olympian to come and then they all signed up. So it just kind of hit this, this groove where we realized, okay, we need to listen, we need to learn and then develop what students actually want. Mm. And that was really the the bedrock of Count Me and, and we've maintained that vision to this day where it really is, you know, we say it's the largest youth-led organization in the world and it really is. It is led entirely by a team of youth, you know, 37 youth strong today, spread across four countries and three continents. And we are constantly and consistently asking questions and gaining feedback to deliver events that students today want today. Um, so those 400 kids showed up to that first event. We realized we hit something. The next year was a thousand students at an event that was much larger, um, with about uh, 10 different acts, which ranged from speakers to musicians. And a thousand students from 30 schools were at that one. And then it just kept evolving and growing. We've produced broadcasts now. With you know the largest one had 32 acts, seven cameras. We worked with the same director that directs the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics. Wow. And, you know, our first global broadcast reached 2.2 million students in just under 70 countries. Um, and now, of course, with our breadth of programming and school tours, we're in over 1,000 schools a year, and we've reached 10 million students worldwide in just over 100 countries now. That is absolutely incredible. And what do the events, you know, like you said that you have acts and things like that, what is sort of the call to action um, other than just, you know, you're getting these students together, but but what is sort of the call to action at the end that really in, inspires these kids to look beyond themselves and really do something that is meaningful and worthwhile and impactful? So our common purpose at Count Me In, that the thread that ties everyone on our team together is that we empower people to live their meaningful legacy. Mm. And what that really simmers down to is this idea that, you know, you can't change the world. You can't do something about everything, but you can certainly do something about something, right? And so to leave with this idea of I can do something is really powerful, you know? So so we see these students, we hear them, and we we remind them that they have value, they have worth, and they have something to contribute today. It starts with looking at things you're interested in, maybe trying some new things, and marrying that with some kind of cause or service. And that could be something big. You know, one of our members just planned this incredible benefit concert in his school in British Columbia in Canada. And it was a benefit concert that united hundreds of people from their community to raise money for hard of hearing kids who can't afford hearing aids. Mm -hmm. And what was so powerful is that the student organizer was hard of hearing himself and knew what it was like growing up feeling isolated. Wow. And it was so, so powerful and incredible. They they raised over $10,000 for students in need who are hard of hearing. And, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, just as powerful in a very different way was a student who took it upon themselves to litter their school with post-it notes with positive quotes and messages on them. Uh, In particular, from what I hear, all over the girls' bathroom. 
and they were just adamant about spreading as many positive messages as possible, making everyone realize and, and remember that they have value and worth and that they're not alone. So very different projects, but both Count Me and members who were inspired to do something to help others in their community, whether it's raising a bunch of money to help a few kids who can't afford hearing aids or trying to inspire your entire student body to feel more of a, a sense of worth. That is incredible. And I love hearing these stories and these, you know, success stories, if you will, or just these <laughs> examples of kids who are, like I said at the beginning, you know, who are saying to the world, no, we are we are the next generation that is making a difference and we are outward focused and we are uh, going to really change and impact the world. And that's just you and know, they will I, and they already are. I mean, I, yes. I will go on record saying that this is the most powerful generation we have ever seen, partly because their lives are way more difficult. It is harder to be a teenager today than ever before, because if you look at what they're facing, it might all seem the same peer pressure, bullying, sexism, racism. But now these issues are 24 seven, they are offline and online, and they face every teen. Yes. Yes, they absolutely do. And as a parent myself, you know, this is something that I can't help but I worry about as, you know, our daughter's four and a half and she'll be heading to kindergarten soon. And, you know, I just think about what is what is her schooling life going to be like? And I'm not going to lie. As a parent, that stresses me out. It really does because you want what's best for your kids. And, of course. Um, and one of the things that I've seen, you know, I've seen you talk about a lot is you you speak directly to parents. And while I do have some younger listeners of the show, I'd say the majority of, of my listeners are parents um, or soon to be parents or want to be parents. And so I'd love for you to kind of just share from your heart um, as somebody who works with teens and empowers kids on a regular basis, what do you want parents to know about kids today? And what do you want what what would be your biggest advice to parents as they parent this generation? It's really simple, Molly. Show up, be there, be present. Our kids need to feel seen and heard and valued. and that that doesn't just happen, right? We need to architect that for our kids, regardless of age. And that means unplugging from devices. That means thoughtfully and intentionally playing with your kids, Mm -hmm. you know, having some element of family night together. And I know that it's so much easier to just let them play on the iPad and you want some alone time after work, but the value that you are giving your child or children by just showing up, by being there, by listening is something that you can't get anywhere else, especially not on a device. They need to connect. We're growing up with kids that don't know what it means to have eye contact, you know, let alone what a board game is, which yeah. makes me sad for a whole different nostalgic reason. Yeah. But I, I think more than anything, it's just showing up, offering that unconditional love, support, and and compassion for your kids. And you might think that you're offering it, but be as explicit as possible about it Mm. because they, they need to feel it right. Just because you think that you're giving it doesn't mean that they feel it or, or are receiving it. So it starts with those intentional moments coming together as a family, doing things that your kids want to do, doing them together, 
And if you're thinking right now, you know, you're, you're listening and you're like, well, my, that's great, Shane, but my kid won't even talk to me. They don't want to eat dinner with me. They're, they, you know, they don't tell me, I know nothing about their life because they won't open up to me. A little hack that I love to share with parents, especially with kids that are kind of between the ages of, of 10 and 15, works incredibly well. Um, if you have dinner together and you have a no device rule at the table during dinner, don't ask them any questions. Don't badger them about how school was today or what's going on with their friends. Just sit there in silence and I promise you they will start talking. Because they are so in ADD mode most of the time, most kids with so much going on and such instant you know, gratification and everything, they're used to this overabundance. So if they're sitting in silence, any silence is an awkward silence. They're going to feel the need to fill it. Mm. So just sit there. Over a great family cooked meal in silence with no devices, they're going to want to fill the space while they eat. Um, so that's a little, you know, hack. But but start by building those relationships and, and connections. Really connect with your kids and making sure they know that you are there for them no matter what. That is so good. I love that. Like, I'm <laughs> it's like not I rocket said, science. I it's not easy. It's not yes. easy. But I think it's a little easier than a lot of parents realize. Yeah. I mean, and I will say, like I said, we do not, we are not parents of the year. We do not get this right all the time. But the one thing that I will say that we no do. No one does, Molly. Yeah. No one gets <laughs> True. But parenting, I have learned in my short, you know, four and a half years of being a parent is parenting is all trial and error. That's all it is. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, I'm going to try this out. Oh, this didn't work. Yeah. I'm going to try something different. Um are they still alive? Okay, right. we're doing something right. right. <laughs> okay, we've we've kept them alive another year. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say though the one thing that we have been very intentional about and it's really important to me is is family dinners. And I love to cook and so it, that part is a little easier for me. So I know that there are some people who are like, we hate to cook. And I'm like, well, that's what Grubhub's for. Like just Postmates, like order something in, but eat it at home. Like don't go out to a restaurant, like do, do take out and bring it home and put it on your own plates. Like it doesn't matter the, the medium to which you get the food, like, or how you get the food, just eat it at home without any distractions. And that is something that's really important to us is, is pretty much, you know, five to seven days a week, we are sitting at our kitchen table eating dinner together. We pray together before our meal and, you know, we just talk as a family. And that's, you know, I did that as a kid. My husband did that as a kid. And that's something that we want to instill in our kids that like dinner time is important and sitting together as a family is important. And, you know, it's hard with a four and a half year old and a two year old who want to just like get up and go throw balls around the house all the time. And I know that the, you know, it's just, you know, it it is a challenge because they get distracted and you get distracted and, and you want to just give up and, like, let them get up and go run around the house and chase balls because you're tired of the whining. But, like, <laughs> you know, just, like, forcing that that time and that making that time, you know, a priority really does have a lasting impact. And so I – but I love your suggestion of, like, with the – because I, I have friends – who have teenagers and they talk about how their teenager is like, nope, I'm having none of this. <laughs> so I oh, love I hear you slam the door in there. They come home from school. It's like a blur straight to the bedroom doors closed. You don't see them for another 12 hours. Right. Yeah. And I get that. I totally get. So if you have some kind of routine of a family dinner or even in the car, if you're like, okay, Shane, that's great. Maybe in a month that can happen. But right now, family dinner off the table, if you give them a ride to school in the morning, mm, mm -hmm. 
Great, great time if you have a no device rule in the car because you're not even making eye contact. In fact, they're, they might, they're either sitting next to you or behind you. So there's more of a sense of security and comfort for them to really open up yeah. because there's this lack of, of eye contact. So again, if there's a no device rule in the car, another great place to fill that silence and do something. And for younger kids, a great time to play games in the car. I remember when I was a kid, we had these books of car games, which have definitely gone out of print by now. Those, because everything's digital. Yes, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. Those things were awesome. And like Brain oh, Quest. <laughs> Brain Quest. Anybody remember Brain Quest? <laughs> they were like, I absolutely remember Brain Quest. Yes. Like, and the more simple things like, you know, playing I Spy or, yeah. you know, what the list goes on and on yeah. of things that you can do in, in the car together. Great time for family bonding when you're not all on your devices. Yes. Amen. Amen. Shane, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, but before we wrap up here, I want to um, transition to one of my favorite parts of the show, and that's where we just get to—I get to ask you just some fun questions to get to you to know you a little bit better. So, are you cool with that? Let's go for it. Awesome. This is also the part of the show, as my listeners know, where my executive producer husband, who edits my shows, puts in a fun little sound effect to transition us. And I don't know what it is every single week. He surprises me. And (laughs) so it's always a little fun for me when I get to hear the edited version because I'm just like, really, babe, (laughs) that's the transitional sound sound effect you chose. I'm expecting like a clown horn. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you're, it's, you're just funny. It's, it's funny, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? Just, what? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? well, let me understand this, but I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? All right, Shane, are you ready? I am very ready. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. um, what would be on your current most played playlist on Spotify? Ooh, Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. I have not seen it, but I've heard it so good. Oh, I'm about to hang up on you, Molly. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Go a, right now. When I'm a parent. Up, I'm a parent. I never get to the movies. <laughs> So I, I've seen it uh, three times in theaters. Oh, my gosh. I've heard – well, everybody that has seen it just raves about it. So clearly I need to figure out a way to get to the movie theater so I can go see it. It's excellent. Big fan. Big fan. Awesome. What is the most interesting thing you have read or seen this week? Hmm. I am really enjoying Brene Brown's new book. Oh, I love Brene Brown. Yes. I am consuming it like no tomorrow. I'm, uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. That's awesome. Yes, she is incredible. She is a, a goal guest of mine. I'm like, anybody know Brené Brown? Hook a sister up. Um, <laughs> uh, which fictional character would be the coolest to meet in real life? It could be from a book, movie. Dumbledore. Who? Dumbledore. Yes! Fellow Harry Potter fan. I love it. Absolutely. And I love that you knew right away. Absolutely. But when you said fictional character, I didn't need to hear anything else. I almost interrupted you. (laughs) (laughs) Dumbledore. All over. Whatever it is, Dumbledore. I love it. All right. So these are my rapid fire questions. So uh, hot pretzels or nachos? Mm. Carrots. (laughs) (laughs) Carrots. I love it. Uh, Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Watch live or recorded so you don't have to watch commercials? Live. Favorite type of music? Music theater. Ice cream or cookies? 
ice cream all the way. <laughs> Taco cookies in ice cream. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like a warm chocolate chip like cookie. A, or with... ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, tacos or burritos? Burritos. Fly or drive? Fly. Left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Crushed ice or cubed ice? Crushed ice. <laughs> I love it. Crushed ice. Awesome. That's I'm all about the chewy ice. I need the chewy <laughs> ice all up in my beverage. So awesome. A piece of Canada because it looks like snow. <laughs> Yes. And I'm, I'm born in Toronto. So when I'm in LA, it's, you know, it's my little piece of Canada. Yes, absolutely. Shane, this has been so much fun and such a pleasure. Um, for I will, you know, for the listeners, I will have all of Shane's links and the links to count me in in the show notes. So you should be sure to check that out. Um, but Shane here, you know, as we as we finalize this amazing interview, <laughs> um, what is on the horizon for you here in the next, um, you know, the near future with count me in and everything that you're doing? Count Me In continues to grow, and I love the number of new programs we're coming up with all the time. I think the next one might be a social entrepreneurship program in schools. Yes. Uh, but I'm spending most of my time right now on tour, speaking at companies and, and schools, working with parents and educators and students. So I just love, I'm about to kick off another tour now in the spring. Um, so I'm, I'm just riding that wave and doing as much in-person connection as possible. I really try my best to practice what I preach as much as I love the digital components online and, you know, my mentor, my com program. There's something about being in person with an audience. So I'm excited to kick off my next tour and do a whole lot more speaking over the next few months. That is awesome. Shane, thank you so much. And thank you for all that you are doing and for how you are really truly impacting this next generation. You are awesome. Thank you, Molly. This has been a true pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. I felt so challenged and convicted as a parent after my conversation with Shane. Thinking about how I can be more active and present in my kids' lives, even at a young age, is so important. Even if you're not a parent, think about the kids in your life. At church, maybe nieces or nephews, friends' kids. How can you have a positive impact on them? Be sure to give Shane and count me in some love on social media this week. I will have all of his links and information in the show notes. And another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox and use the coupon code Molly for $15 off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, or any of your favorite podcasting apps, and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you are there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show was edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman. And the music is by Mark Killian of third wheel media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>